Life is about challenges, Amanda, and I know that everybody will have it. My challenges, I feel like they're just more visible. Rick Weary is a motivational speaker and aspiring author, a husband, and a dad. With incredible life lessons and insights from his life, he strives to live his life chasing red-letter days. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. In the conversation today, Rick will tell you about how breaking his neck changed his life. Besides the obvious physical changes, Rick weaves his story through his challenges mentally and emotionally as well. He shares his two biggest pivot moments with us today and what it was that kept him moving forward. A heads up that Rick shares his experience with suicidal ideation and how a goal turned into a moment of pride that took him home to share the news. We start the conversation today after I've asked Rick to jump into one of his biggest life pivots. My biggest pivot. Uh, wow, that's a that's a big question. So I would I would say um, something that happened to me was kind of out of my control. When I motivational speak, I tell people I got to live two lives, and. Um, let me explain that to you, Amanda. But, you know, when I say two lives, before I broke my neck, I was a strong young man. I could do just about anything, accomplish anything. And then I had a construction accident where I broke my neck. And I broke it way up here in about C6, C7 vertebrae. And, um, wow, I had to pivot there for sure, Amanda. I had to learn how to do everything over again, and a very big pivotal moment for me. When was your accident? Uh, it was a, uh, in 2008, and I had been married for a year from my wife to the day. Yeah, on uh, March 10th. So I can't, I can't screw up my anniversary. No. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, so for some context here... Like you said, you're you're in construction. Can you take us back a little bit just into into that day? Do you remember that day well? I do remember a lot of things. Um, I remember, so just tell you what we were doing is um, I was building my house and we were in this self-help housing program. And what it is is where you, you know, work on your own house in order to gain equity and you do a lot of the, the building and stuff. And so you can move into your house cheaper. And we had to work nights and weekends because we all had our everyday jobs. And so we were working, uh, it was a Sunday night and it was around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We had planned to go the whole night and uh, we had lights and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I remember building a wall on the floor and getting ready to stand it up. But while I was building that wall, I, uh, I was uh, shooting the nails into the stud and then one of the nails hit a uh, knot in the wood and that knot caused the nail to ricochet kind of thing. And, you know, the chain of events that happened is I shot a nail into the web of my thumb and I was with my buddy and his wife. And I said, let's just pull it out, trying to act tough, you know, and as he uh, pulled that nail out, took my glove off and started looking at my wound or whatever, you know, it was really small too, you know, and for some reason, I got lightheaded, and uh, I decided to walk across the floor to get a drink. 
thinking that that would solve my issues. And as I was walking across the floor, I tipped over and fell um, into the hole that we had cut out earlier in the day that we were going to build the stairs for. Um, so there was just a hole in the floor. I fell into the basement, landed directly on my head and uh, broke my neck at C6, C7 vertebrae. Taking that one in there. Oh my gosh, Rick. Okay. So a lot has happened since this day. I'm curious about your recovery because I recognize how many different ways a, a neck and a back injury can go. What was your healing process like? Well, I, I first want to kind of paint this picture of just how miserable it was for me, you know, adjusting. I remember in the hospital bed, you know, I was on a trachea because I had caught pneumonia. And so I was breathing through a tube out of my throat. I was on a, you know, medically induced coma in and out because they wanted to stabilize my neck. But I remember waking up out of that coma one day and going to scratch my nose laying flat on my back and uh, the weight of my hand could not hold hold my hand up enough to get up to my nose to scratch it my tricep was paralyzed and couldn't lift my arm up enough to scratch my nose I remember another frustrating thing I remember my wife needed to help me get my voicemail off my phone and I was on a trachea so I couldn't speak and she needed a four-digit code to type into my phone mm -hmm. and the frustration of mouthing four numbers uh, so she could type it in was just so, I was like down in the dumps, mm -hmm. right, Amanda? And, you know, we took it one day at a time and, and eventually we got to go to rehab, a rehab unit where you, my wife could come stay in the same hospital room as me. It's just trying to help us get back to normal life and, uh, Nurses still come in every day and, and help you. And this is why I think my wife became a nurse, okay? Because she became a nurse after no my accident. Yeah. Wow. So this nurse, yeah, this nurse came in. She could recognize that I was having a hard day. And uh, she took a calendar and a red marker into my hospital room that day. And she says, Rick, I know you're down in the dumps, depressed, but every time we do something today that we couldn't do yesterday, we're going to document it and write it down in this calendar as a red letter day. Back then, a red letter day was something very simple. Push your wheelchair down to the end of the hall or be able to maneuver your body to get a drink out of the drinking fountain. I was on a oxygen and, and a red letter day for me was because I hated that those tubes was to be able to go for a couple hours without oxygen. And these things were something that somebody else might take for granted, but I was in a situation where I was forced to celebrate those small victories. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to ask, Rick, I'm, I'm super curious about how this injury has happened a year into your marriage. The dynamic of your relationship now has completely changed. How did you and your wife as a team navigate that? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, there were also other people in the hospital who told my wife, they would say, no judgment, you can check out here. You know, I mean, Rick is going to need so much help in his life. And she, that was never, I know that that was never like an option for her. But 
as navigating life, she has been my number one fan, my number one supporter, my number one critic. And I couldn't have done so much without her. I still today can't do so much without her. And um, I sometimes um, in the disability world, so many people are like, you need to become as independent as you can. And, and that's true. You know, independence is key. Uh, you know, learn how to drive, uh, learn how to, you know, recover as much as you can. But there's, there's also like a strength when you, when you know that you can't do something and you're willing to ask for help. And, you know, I was forced in that position, but my wife is, does a really good job of helping when she knows I need, mm -hmm. but also like, calling me out every once in a while. Oh, hey, you know, if I ask her for something, hey, you know, you can do that yourself, you know, so. That's amazing. My wife is a saint, yeah. yes. I have so many questions. I'm loving this, Rick. Thank you so, so much for sharing with me. So you're also into motivational speaking. I'm kind of fast forwarding a lot here, but I'm wondering about how that came forward because you've mentioned a couple times now, you were in the dumps, you were, working through depression, you were in the hospital for a long time, now you've got help, you've got things that you're working through in your relationship, your life has completely changed. So what were some of the key things that you worked through between this injury and now to have you writing a book, motivational speaking, like literally living your best life? Uh, again, Amanda, I'm going to tell you a story. And I warned you, I'm a storyteller, but... Um, <laughs> You know, we talked about another pivotal moment. Um, the first one was forced upon me, but the second one would be this, you know, little story I'm getting ready to tell. And, and again, you talked about depression and this down in the dumps. Shortly after I'd gone home into our house, I had suicidal ideations and um, I'm being vulnerable with you, but this is so much part of why I became a motivational speaker, why I feel like my story needs to be heard. I wanted to end my journey for, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. I wanted to, uh, you know, and my, I couldn't think of a great idea how to do it, but ultimately I came up with, I was going to wheel myself down the street. We have a canal that runs through our neighborhood, but I, there's a little bit of a hill to get up that canal. Not very much, but when you're in a wheelchair, hills you notice the landscape and uh, I didn't think I could push myself up that hill so what I did unintentionally is I set a goal that was my ultimate goal and I knew I needed to have little tasks to reach that so you know one day I started just telling my wife I'm going to start willing myself and just see how far I can go so one day I wheeled myself down to the street then to the end of the block and then up to this hill and then eventually the day came and I decided that I, I thought I could do it. The crazy thing is, is I focused more on like this goal that I had set. And when I got to the top of the hill, I had that choice again. And um, I kind of like put that in the back of my head as, you know, and more focused on getting up this hill. And uh, I got to the top of the hill and I was so proud of myself. And I looked back and, and that's my pivotal moment, Amanda. I decided not to push myself in the canal that day and I decided to push myself around the block and back home and when I got home my wife was on the porch 
and you know she was celebrating my victory she's like i didn't think you could do that i didn't realize you could push around the whole block because i was coming from the other way instead of you know and i realized that i do have a purpose in this life and i do have a reason to live you know my wife's still by my side we have twin boys and i look back and think you know what if i would have you know not set that goal and just went ahead and just pushed myself into the canal and and I almost like, a, you know, that story is dear to my heart and it's hard to tell, but it's, it's my pivotal moment, Amanda. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for sharing. Did your wife have any idea what your intentions were or what this goal was actually intended for until after? Absolutely not. And, and I never told her even after, you know, I mean, yeah, it's come out in my book plan and, and in podcasts, but, you know, she, she probably wouldn't know which day it was or, or what, but, you know, she was celebrating my victories. And when I got to the top of that hill, I thought about that nurse back in the day that said, you accomplished something today that you couldn't yesterday. And I realized I just created my own little red letter day. Yes. Yeah, you did. So the red letter day. Now, take me to how this weaves into your everyday now. Tell me, tell me about the red letter day and how you make sure that you have red letter days as often as possible. Well, uh, I do this every once in a while, Amanda. And do you ever have those nights where you can't sleep the oh, night yeah. before because because your <laughs> mind's racing? I have those, and I usually have two different styles of those. The first one is something where, like, you know, you can't sleep because you're excited about the next day. You've already got something planned, or like Christmas is coming. That one, I think everybody has that one. But what where I am the most proud of when I can't sleep is I'm trying to think of my next move. And I do that at nighttime or on my hand cycle. I have these moments where I like try to just think about red letter days. And I also, I think about my mom a lot and, and, you know, the term make your mama proud. I'm always trying to like do something that would make my mama proud. Hey friends, the safe haven will be right back after this quick break. Tell me about your boys. You've got twin boys. Yeah. Oh, you know, and I look back at this, you know, we, we waited a long time after I broke my neck to really Mm. start trying. And, you know, we went through in vitro and we were lucky enough to uh, have twins. (laughs) I say lucky with hesitation there because uh, (laughs) they're very competitive and stuff. I just remember a challenge I had my wife, uh, you know, I, I mentioned she became a nurse and she works nights. And uh, at the first, my mom would come over and help me manage the boys and help them get to bed. And again, I wanted to be as independent as I could with these boys. And I remember when they were toddlers, we had built one crib like special for me, but we didn't have the time to build the second one. So Berkeley laid in the special crib, you know, and, and it was like up on stilts and I could wheel under it and, you know, help him. But I remember Grayson, he's my, you know, he's older by one minute and he's like heavier and he's just always more aggressive. And Berkeley solves things with his mind, whereas Grayson solves things with his brute, you know, and um, 
Grayson, if you could imagine one night I was by myself and, and I could have called my mom to come help if needs be, but Grayson was crying in the crib. And uh, I think he was old enough now to like kind of recognize dad's different than mom and dad's different than people. And I remember wheeling into his room and he just, you know, he wanted to get on my lap and uh, I had never picked him out of his crib. I didn't want to drop a baby. You know what I mean? And um, I remember just, he couldn't understand me, you know, he, he was barely saying mama and dada, you know, but I remember telling him, I said, we're going to have to work together at this, but, and I, I remember reaching my arm over the crib and I don't know if I, you know, you re- picked up this, but my hand's paralyzed, so I can't grasp things. So here this, you know, I want to say, I don't know how old he was, maybe one or two, but I hear this little kid was, and he just clinged to my arm and recognized that I could get my arm over. I couldn't grab. So he grabbed and I, I was able to maneuver my wheelchair and my body enough to get him and then get him onto my lap. And uh, I think my boys, they uh, look at problems in the world differently than everybody else, just because they see me as an example of sometimes, you know, you've got to adapt or change the way you do things. Adaptability is key. And I I can't stop smiling because I feel like you have this gratitude that is so deep for your boys, but they are so lucky to have you. And they're so lucky to be able to learn these characteristics that they wouldn't have otherwise learned, you know, with the way that you're sharing and the way that you communicate and model for them. Like, this is beautiful, Rick. Thank you for sharing that too. I could talk to you for days. (laughs) Hey, you're welcome. I'll come back on anytime. I love this. I wanted to spiral back. I had written down about your book and the book plan. Tell me a little bit about this. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, like I said, uh, I have this desire to create red letter days. Mm -hmm. And uh, one night I decided, you know what, you need to document this. And, you know, I thought, I am um, not very educated. Um, I went back to school after my accident and I had to start at, at math 990. But I thought to myself, um, I want to document my successes, just like my red letter days. I don't have mm-hmm. a calendar anymore, but I want to be able to just tell my story. And, uh, you know, I mean, this has been a challenge. Obviously, the, the audience can't see my hands, but I have paralyzed hands. You know, it takes a minute to write things down. It takes a minute when I'm finger pecking, but it's a challenge, Amanda. And, and I just, I have to take a step back and realize that I can't do things same speed or the same way, but I can still do things. And so I sometimes get a little nervous when I talk about my book because, I mean, I'm moving forward all the time and I'm working on it. But, you know, I mean, there will be more challenges to come, you know, getting it going. But it is a process and and I'm always working on it. I admire that so much. And recently working through the publishing journey, you will feel the excitement. You will feel the frustration. You will feel zero inspiration. You will feel all the inspiration. It is a freaking roller coaster. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and, and honestly, um, I had got some advice from uh, someone who wrote a book and they said, you know, first build an audience. And, you know, what's crazy to me is like, you know, they said build an audience through 
podcasting or social media, my favorite thing in this world is to tell my story. And like the book has opened the idea of building an audience and forcing to, to write a book and build an audience has opened up this world of podcasting. And, and it's also helped me tell my story and know what to put in the book, mm-hmm. what to take out and what people like to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another area I could talk to you forever on. So maybe we'll have to spiral back to that after we record. (laughs) Okay, I have two more questions for you. One of them has to do with what keeps you moving forward. So I recognize that when you were talking about getting to the top of the hill and contemplating letting yourself go into the canal, pride instead was what conquered that moment and realizing that you had come so far. So on your darkest days and on the days where you feel like you're just stuck or you're stagnant and you just can't move forward, what is it that keeps you going? You know, I'd say the biggest thing for me, it'd be my family, you know, um, not, you know, we talked about make your mama proud, but now I'm also like trying to make my wife proud, my boys proud, but also, uh, I, uh, have a, another thing that I'm pretty proud of. My kids were there in second grade and, they go to a really small school and, and they were talking, having a conversation about heroes and stuff. And um, they were talking about uh, Helen Keller and the challenges that she had. And the teacher invited me to come speak to these eight-year-old boys and girls in school. And uh, I told them, and I don't think they know this game, but I told them about the video game Mario. You know, this is our generation, Amanda. They didn't, they didn't know, but um, we all know the video game Mario and how many times in your life have you started that game over where you've do 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 and you've dropped down in and like you you're playing that in your head I know it Amanda and and you jump over the first uh, little guy and then you hit the one up shell and and then you got to watch out for that guy that's on top of the bricks. What I'm getting at is I was listening to a podcast the other day and they said if if Mario were just like a dirt path no challenges. And you just walked across the path and finished, knocked the flag down, and that was the game. People would put that game down in an instant. They wouldn't have last two tries, you know. I told these kids, you know, I'm grateful for you to have me on as a speaker and recognize me as that. But you're all going to face challenges yourself. The reason we loved Mario back in the day is because we couldn't wait to start over, you know, to try again and get a little bit further do a little bit better. And, and that's how it went. You know, after you, you'd learn that that fire breathing dragon would come out at this time and you'd time it next time and get, get a little bit further. Life is about challenges, Amanda. And I know that everybody will have it. My challenges, I feel like they're just more visible. I know everybody will face death um, in the family. Everybody will face hard times, debt, everything. We're still people in this world. And, and without getting philosophical or religious to you, I think how we react to those challenges is what builds our character and, and the purpose of this life, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that big time. You actually just answered one of my questions in that so beautifully. We get to move on to my three safe haven style questions, Rick. So you ready? I am, but I, I'm, I hope I can do good on these. Oh, it's not a test. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 What are you most proud of? You know what I'm most proud of is my my boys. 
and I, I've played sports my whole life and, and everything. And we had a tournament the other day, uh, two weekends ago, and we played in this tournament and they're in all stars or whatever, you know, traveling baseball and whatnot. But we uh, took second in the tournament. We ended up on a loss. And I had this thing where this moment where I knew I was doing something right because on the way home, my boys were a little bit discouraged because they knew that we were going to get home in the dark. And after this loss, their first thing is that they wanted to get out and practice more to get better. You know, that's, uh, that's one of my, you know, like, I'm like, oh, you know, they want to practice and get better. And, and ever since that turn, we have another one this weekend, but they have hit either a bucket or two buckets or a half bucket of baseballs every single day and uh i'm a big sports guy and everything and i've tried to teach them if you want to get better at anything you got to practice i love this you're definitely coming back on the podcast rick okay (laughs) next one is what would you like to be known for oh um and this is like if you ever meet me on the street you know and like hey i'm rick weary and whatever one thing I catch myself telling people a lot about is uh, I play a sport called wheelchair rugby. Mm-hmm. And um, I play, I live in Utah, but the closest team is in Las Vegas. And I'd love to be known for like a really good rugby player, but also not just for that reason, but like after I broke my neck, I was worried sports would go away for me. And, uh, you know, I found this adaptive sport. And uh, I know you're like, wondering what is wheelchair rugby but if you get a chance there's a documentary on it and when they created the sport they called it murder ball and uh you know for reasons they couldn't get sponsors they changed it to wheelchair rugby but it's a very fast-paced hard-hitting game and i love it Mm -hmm. that's super cool i'm totally gonna look that up and if you had a message for everyone listening what would it be Uh, We talked about red letter days and that's ultimately my goal is to inspire people to do something today that you couldn't do yesterday. Mm -hmm. Rick, I have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I I love telling my story. Yeah. Thanks for reining me in because I could could tell stories all day. (laughs) Okay. So where can people come and find you online? Follow along. Uh, you know, I've got a LinkedIn, I've got a Instagram. That's where I'd probably prefer you to just kind of see my life is my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, my handle, I'm sure you'll put it in the notes, but it's Rick from row R O E. And, uh, you know, I love, I love telling my story through just my life, you know, mm-hmm. through pictures, of my family and everything. Mm-hmm. So Thank you so, so much for today. You're welcome. Thanks, man. I hope I inspired you also. Rick, not only have you inspired me today, you have also got me writing some of my goals in my calendar in red pen. So even though it might not be a red letter day, I have things that really stand out that keep me going. And I I really appreciate you for helping me out with that. Keep chasing those red letter days and I cannot wait to hear and to see what comes of this book, potentially podcast, and will be along with you for the journey. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform and I'm committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. 
If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, which I am sure it has, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends, and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us at the Safe Haven Podcast so we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, those things really help this podcast grow. For more great podcasts, check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com and I will talk to you next week.